How do social entrepreneurs and small businesses create an authentic brand people love so they can get the edge they need to stand out, create predictable revenue, and compete against the big guys? That's what we're here to discuss. I'm Adam Force, the founder of Change Creator, and this is the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Uh, lots of exciting stuff going on over here at Change Creator. Um, I think, you know, we're strategizing some ideas to really help organize our thoughts around the podcast. And um, I think we might be putting together some seasons on some key topics and going a little deeper with some of the key people that we talk to to help kind of give a better look under the hood for you guys who are building different kinds of businesses in the e-commerce space um, and just really understanding the sales and lead generation processes and things like that. So hopefully that will be helpful. We're going to roll that out soon. Um, you know, in the meantime today, if you have missed the last episode, it was with Derek Strauss. So he's actually, um, an expert in advertising. So he's a media buyer and he runs the agent agency horizon digital. We, uh, actually partner with him, um, on a number of projects and he's got a lot of great insights to share. So if you missed that episode, you want to go back and check that out. Their focus is specifically running, uh, media for, uh, supporting and scaling e-commerce brands. Uh, so today we're going to be talking with someone by the name of Scott Terman. Um, so he's got a lot of incredible experience. And so Scott is actually uh, somebody that is a technologist, entrepreneur. He's also an author. He has a book, um, all that kind of stuff. And he started his career um, back in the day, like with NASA and the U.S. Department of Defense, Disney, and done all kinds of crazy work in the past. And he's now the founder and CEO of Bright Ray Publishing. And so they actually offer writing and publishing services for founders. So really building your personal brand and profile online, um, which is a really valuable asset to to any company and brand and founder. So we want to just dive into that. All right, guys. So, um, you know, if you're looking for support in the e-commerce space, you want to scale your business, reach out to us. Just go visit changecreator.com. You can fill out the uh, form on our services page. Don't forget to leave us a review. It goes a long way. And we appreciate your ongoing support. Let's get into this conversation. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this to the show today how you doing man doing pretty good thank you for having me yeah absolutely um you know i i I just found you know the work that you're doing to be really interesting and you have a pretty extensive background of experience that i wanted to bring to the table for this conversation um but let's just uh kind of get people acclimated like what do you got going on today how'd you get there just give us a little bit of background uh, I may start from the beginning and I'll move all the way forward and I'll do it in less than two minutes. So don't bore everybody to death. Uh, 25, 28 years ago, I was, uh, I was at NASA for a couple of years, um, just building software, doing really pretty cool stuff. Uh, and I made my way through the kind of the fortune 500s, uh, consulting here in uh, Florida for the last you know 20 years. Um, yeah. about yeah. two years ago, I, 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 well, 12 years ago, I started a technology company. We got up to 20, 25 employees. Two years ago, I realized I'm sick to death of technology, um, and uh, and we started this publishing company. 
Um, and, uh, and it's been going amazing ever since. And, uh, I'm in a really good spot. Technology to publishing. What made you, what inspired you to make that jump? Uh, so, so two years ago, um, I was trying to write a book, um, and what it was about was I was trying to teach. So I, I had the need to hire a, a ton of, uh, software developers. So, uh, it, it occurred to me that, you know, writing a book that actually helps software developers may help them trust me and my company a little bit more. Um, so I wrote a negotiations book on how to, how to negotiate your salary, uh, nerds. And I'm, I'm included in that nerd, uh, uh, column. Uh, we're not very good at negotiating salary or talking to anything about anybody. Um, and uh, I, I felt like we needed a book to kind of go down that road. Along the way, wrote the, I, I, I couldn't write it because I'm a terrible writer. Um, I partnered with uh, with someone I've been for, for quite a bit of uh, time. She uh, she had published you know several books by the time she was in her 20s. Um, and then she, we kind of worked this process out to try to, you know, try to pull the book out of my head over Zoom. It was a height of COVID. We worked the process out. And then we haven't looked back and just started doing it for other people. And, and, and here we are. Interesting. And so what have been some of the key, I guess, milestones at this point with Bright Ray, the publishing company, anything exciting to throw out there? Well, yeah, you know, it's the, the, the milestones are one employee, right? That, that, you know, over my, my 12 years of, well, 15 years of entrepreneurship, uh, but I've really only, you know, been doing pretty well with it in the last seven to nine years. Um, it's that first employee. The very first employee is the is when it becomes real. When you actually have to run a payroll, in my opinion, <laughs> you actually sort of do right. You're duplicating yourself, right, for the first time ever. You have a process. You don't want to do anymore, or you need to scale. So you go hire someone. So that that's the very first step. Um, you know, and I we're on our thirteenth, thirteenth or fourteenth employee. Um, you know, as of uh, as of today, actually. Um, and I, I guess the milestones are first employee, first hundred thousand. First ten employees, first million dollars, and it just goes on and on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely exciting to see the progress. Um, so, tell me just a little bit about you know why people should consider this as part of a marketing strategy, the the, the publishing uh, side of things, because it, it it is like an overwhelming and daunting commitment. I feel like um, so. Talk to a little bit about it now. You know, we're talking to entrepreneurs. You know, they could be service, e-commerce, whatever. Um, typically, you know, they're they're a few years in. Is it like who is this for, and 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 what's the real value behind it? So um, ultimately, someone is going to have to buy something from somebody, right? Um, you know, whether it's Adam Force or Adam G Force, which by the way is a rad name. Um, <laughs> if it's Adam Force or Scott Terman or whoever, there's typically a name assigned to that business, and you know, unless you're selling T-shirts or widgets or, or maybe not, right? But ultimately, someone's going to look you up. And what are they going to find, right? How trustworthy are you? How trustworthy are your projects, your site? It's, it all comes down to kind of personal branding. Uh, yeah. And I believe that these books are kind of that foundational to that branding. If you do a, like, for instance, if you do a Google search on my name, Scott Terman, T-U-R-M-A-N, you'll see that I get, I have this knowledge panel that pops up. Google presents me uh, kind of in a, as a, not so much as an expert, but presents me as, oh, I know this person. They've done some stuff. You know, here's more information on them. Yeah. Um, so when people go to do business with me at the very minimum, they've got, they've got the, they've got the, I'm kind of passing the smell test, so to speak. Right. At the yep. very minimum, you know, have they done something? Have they done something warranted enough for me to do business with them? Right. Um, and no matter what you do service or not, uh, it comes down to who's that person and can they be trusted? And that kind of personal brand is that trust. Right. 
Yeah. No, the trust factor is, is pretty big. Um, you know, and I, I worked with a company once where they were in the, I won't get into details, but they were in the market, right. Uh, for investing and stuff like that. And when I first looked at what they were trying to push, I was like, yeah, I was like, are people going to find this like sketchy? And then I saw that they were actually like talked about on Forbes and, you know, business insider. And I was like, Oh, I was like, okay, like this is, seems more legit now. There's that immediate like justification uh, or credibility factor. And so when you're looking someone up and, you know, you see certain results like you're talking about, it does put the mind at ease, right? To earn that trust and, and credibility. So, uh, and, and then obviously if they read the literature, that that can go a long way to to building more business and and better relationships with your audience, right? It's funny. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the Forbes Business Insider, et cetera. Uh, I couldn't get any reporters to take me seriously, let alone quote me or write a story on me before I wrote a book. Right? <laughs> Until no you wrote can. a book. Until you wrote a book. No right. Right. Because now it's something to talk about. That's right. Yeah, but it's all kind of it's all foundational, right? You write a book. Uh, you know, you're kind of raising your when people look you up, they kind of see more information on you. Uh, you have a knowledge panel or whatever, you're on a Wikipedia, whatever, right? Um, yeah. so now when you start submitting these kind of requests for quotes from reporters. They look you up and go, oh, okay, author. Oh, okay, had this business, that business, did this, that, and the other. And then it all kind of kind of builds, right? If you if you kind of look up my name in uh, Google News, you'll see I'm in Forbes, I'm in Business Insider, I'm in right. Wall Street Journal, I'm in a bunch of places, but none of that was possible until I wrote a book. Right. Um, and that's it's 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 kind of foundational to well, it makes it a lot easier than trying to get a Wikipedia page, as that requires uh, that already requires you being kind of well known to begin with. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a way of circumventing that or at least getting there a little quicker. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, and I can see that about platforms like Forbes and things like that. Yeah. They, they need something to talk about, you know what I mean? And so having a yeah. book gives that little bit of something and well, it's, you know, even we ran... that, it's worse than that because, it, because the, 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 <laughs> the, the writer has to go to their editor and go, look at the very minimum, this person did this, that, and the other, right. It's just, it's just, it's the ability for them to, to at the very minimum have, uh, go back to their editor and go, this is the reason I chose them or this is the reason I quoted them because at the very minimum, they have this expertise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, like we, in the beginning when we started Change Creator Magazine, um, <laughs> there's a cachet, just like having a book has cachet, a magazine has cachet, it's related to what you're saying, which is you could go out and be like, hey, uh, Tony Robbins, can we interview you? And he'd be like, for like a podcast, he'd be like, uh, probably not, right? No. Um, hey, you want to be on the cover of this magazine? Oh, talk to my team, <laughs> right? All of a sudden, you got the interview, you got the, just because you say you got a magazine, right? I mean, it was Ariana Huffington, Richard Brandt, all these guys. And without the magazine, though, they never, if it was just a podcast, probably never happened, right? Um, and I see the cachet behind the book kind of giving a stepping stone of power towards more access to these types of things. You know what I mean? Um, so as far as it goes to personal branding, is this more relevant? Like if I'm running an e-commerce shop, right. And I think you said you did in, in the past as well. Does it make sense for me? Like I'm not running a service business where I'm an influencer of some kind. I mean, I guess e-commerce, you could still be an influencer, but is it as relevant? It depends, right? It's what are you selling exactly? Um, if you're selling something that's a commodity, probably not. Something that has no differentiation, probably not. Um, but if you're selling something that requires trust, if you're selling something that's more than $1,000, if you're selling something that um, requires the, the demonstration of expertise, that's the reason you're selling it, 
yeah, it makes a big difference. And that's the thing is that, I mean, how many people have hung the shingle out? And that, for, for instance, when I first started Check for Lead, right? So uh, my son was, uh, was born. My mother gave uh, him a present. There was a fire truck. And uh, with uh, the fire truck, it came out, it had lead in it, right? My son didn't get poison, lead poisoning from it, but it still had lead in it. I was thinking, yeah. man, I wish there was a way to test these toys for it. So I found I found someone who had a patent for lead testing. Lo and behold, started checkforlead.com, started selling. I think uh, the first month, I think we made $11. Uh, this next month, we made $7 and on and on and on, right? <laughs> and then, and then uh, the law got changed. It says you've got to test for lead if you do any renovations to your house that was built in 1978. Uh, that Monday we made thirty thousand dollars. Wow! That Tuesday we okay. made twenty thousand dollars, and it just went on and on and on and on. And I had to become the face of the company, an expert in this area, or no one would have trusted me. Yeah, I can see that. And I mean, let's say you have a product that is kind of making a difference. Let's say you're helping with plastic pollution or something significant, like you have a bigger mission. It's not just a commodity where it's like a $5 transactional pack of gum <laughs> that no one cares about. Right. Um, and so even if it does cost less, but you have a bigger purpose and mission and intent behind it, I could see having your story be very attractive of the movement you're trying to create, the change you're trying to make. And then when people read about that, then it's like, oh, you believe and have all this expertise. You believe in these things and you started this business to help push that idea that I can see making a big difference in, in the success of a company. Well, that's the thing. A company can't speak for itself. A right. human, a founder speaks for the company. Right, um, yeah. If you're not going down that road, uh, you're probably you're, you're missing all the opportunities in the world to uh, to kind of promote your company in magazines because no one's talking to a company. They're talking to the CEO or the founder. It's just how it is. Um, and uh, and so you, you kind of have to build that that brand uh, uh, of believability of this person knows what they're talking about. Um, yep. And that's just what it, that's just kind of what it boils down to. You've worked with a lot of you know CEOs and even I think celebrities, athletes, all that kind of stuff. And I think there's a role in in these positions. So you know anybody listening, it's it's kind of like um, I think there's a hesitation for some people. Like, well, if I ever wanted to sell this company, I don't want it to rely on me being like the face of the brand, right? But I don't think that's what's happening here, right? So it's kind of like I look at Blake Makowski. We interviewed him for Tom's Shoes. He has multiple books, but that business is still thriving. He didn't become the face of the brand, but he did get the story out there that pulled a lot of people into the emotional side of why he does what he does, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's um, it, okay, it's funny. So if you're a contractor, if you're someone who just kind of goes from, from project to project, um, you know, you know what follows you around is your brand. No matter where, even if you're at a place for three years, your 15,000 LinkedIn followers follow you to the next gig, right? <laughs> that, that personal brand is forever. That project you're on is probably not forever. Um, yeah. So whether you're doing it just as an employee or as a contractor, or you have the business itself, um, you know, uh, being able to speak to that and kind of building that. Because so, so it's my belief that personal brand is not what people find about you. Personal brand is a verb, in my opinion. It's a, mm. the act of shaping what people find about you, right? Um, yeah. And uh, and ultimately, the vast majority, a lot of these decisions, whether it's a project-based e-commerce or whatever, they're making that decision of what they find about you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's that's the brand. That's that's the verb. Go create. Go construct. Go stand down and go and go make your brand. 
Yeah, I can understand that. What are some of the main pain points you see people struggle with when it comes to putting a book together? Oh, we're writing it. I mean, that's what we do. We, you know, we have a, a bunch of writers on staff that kind of coax the book out of their head. All they have to do is talk. We meet yeah. once a week, one hour, and then we just pull the book out of their head. Thesis, you know, they got the rise and fall of everything. But the biggest mistake I see people make when they're writing a book is writing a book for everybody. If you write a book for everybody, you've written a book for nobody. You should be writing a book for like five or 6,000 people who have the exact problem that you're pitching, that you have yeah. the solution for, that you're the expert in. If you write a book for 10 million people, you've written nothing. You've got, it's got no value. Most of the, the vast majority of these books don't sell more than a couple thousand copies. And with that said, you might as well target the people who can, you know, help build your business or, or, or your target customer. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And, and what, like, how long does it take someone to put something like this together? Because I think in my mind and in a lot of others, there could be, it could be a reality or it could be a total misconception where it's like, oh man, I'd love to have a book, but one, I'm not good enough. I don't have a interesting enough background or story. And two, um, it's just way too much work. It is a lot of work. Um, and that's why companies like mine exist. I mean, we write the book for you, you just talk. But ultimately, um, it would, when I hear people say, well, do I have the information or do I have the interesting background to write a book? I think you just have to niche down. I mean, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your expertise is e-commerce, you can niche down to the exact area of e-commerce that a lot of people have problems with. Is it payment systems? Is it paying taxes? Is it you know holding that stupid inventory, right? The inventory <laughs> crushes typically most e-commerce companies because you've got a million dollars in inventory you got to sit on. You're not going to make a dime until all your money's there. All your profits are all sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah. Well, how do you manage that? That's a great book. Does it have to be 5,000? No. Pages? No. It could be 100 pages. Niche down to exactly your expertise. Uh, and I believe that most people have, a, at the very minimum, expertise to write a book. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, how important though is, because when you get into expertise on things, it's obviously based on someone's personal experience with something. That's what's going to make it credible, right? Right. So, uh, so every business book, the formula goes something like this. Uh, uh, so it's the hero's backstory. How did you, uh, how did you build these conclusions? What stories led you to certain conclusions? Three chapters in, what problems have you been facing and what have you been solving you know, with that, with that, with that here's journey? And then the last four chapters is, well, here's how you solve the damn problems, <laughs> right? Here's why you should trust me. Here's the issues, let's go solve them. That's the rise and fall of 90% of all business books. Um, and you'll also find that's also the rise and fall of most, you know, most movies too, right? That's a, a hero has a problem. A hero meets uh, some type of some type of guide. The guide shows them how to overcome the problem, and then they go they go kill Darth Vader, right? Or they or they go blow up the Death Star, right? I meet Yoda, same thing. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. All of Yeah, I mean that is the classic. Uh, what is it? Fray tag storytelling arc, right? It's build the tension, hit the climax. What's the resolution? <laughs> yeah, but you'll notice. You'll notice that there's a guide, almost 80 or 90% of all the stories you can think of that pro that person who had the issue, right. Met someone who helped them overcome the issue. Uh, and then when people write these books, the problem is they put themselves as the hero. No one cares a crap about that. They want to hear about their own problems, how to solve their own problems. You're the guide. You're the person writing the book. You're still be the guide, the, the reader is the hero. And that's the other biggest mistake I see yeah. people making. Yeah. I can see that too. I can see that too. 
It's interesting. And I wonder, like, by going through the book process, you know, let's say working with your company and they're pulling all this out of your brain with like interview questions or whatever, all of a sudden, as like, I feel like a lot of content ideas, like things you could talk about on short videos and all that, all of a sudden, all these things start coming to life even more with clarity for you. Because now, yes, you are creating this book, but I think there's like, byproducts of like, oh, you know what? That really is a great story. I'm going to use that in my next video on YouTube as well, or whatever on Facebook and it's Facebook live and I'll talk about it. And so you have all these, these things coming to life. Do you see that happen a lot? Yeah. It's years of content. It's years of posts. I mean, a book represents hundreds, if not thousands of little snippets and stories and tweets and, and blog posts uh, that are, that, that, that are now there for you to choose and, 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 and post as you, as you see fit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the, my, my two books, um, well, Zoe Rose and I's two books, you know, uh, we pull the content out there all the time to create these, these, uh, either tweets and, or LinkedIn, uh, kind of stories or, or whatever. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a very, very deep well of content. Yeah. 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 I see that happen. You know, like just as what made me think of that is like, even just like putting together like a 90 minute webinar. You're like, oh, I need my story. I need a story from my background about this, this, this. And all of a sudden, it forces you to dial into all these great stories that you just don't think of otherwise. But they're there in the back corner of a dark corner of your mind. And then all of a sudden, you're on a podcast being interviewed and you're sharing them because you're like, oh, yeah, now that's top of mind. And I can just imagine when you go through this process with your team of writing a book like this, that you just get tons of things that even if it doesn't go into the book, you probably surface a lot of a lot of content, like you said, a whole lifetime of content. It um, takes you to really, really, really weird places. Um, uh, so <laughs> it just does. So uh, we, we published, um, you know, uh, our second book, uh, um, you know, last year, How to Build a Brand with a Book. And, uh, and that triggered a couple, couple of podcasts that triggered a couple of quotes in some odd places, Insider Magazine and Forbes. Um, and then out of nowhere, I get a call from the national television of Turkey, Right. And now I'm being interviewed on live TV in front of 6.2 million people about Elon Musk. I mean, I'm a technologist. That's kind of what I do, right? But yeah. how, you, how, how I got there is just that, that book was just the, the, the tipping point that caused all these other things that kind of fall over. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's a lot of work. So, I, I mean, is this, is this offer that you have? I mean, it sounds great. Like, yes, I would love someone to interview me, put the book together and do it all professionally. Great. Um, is this for, I guess, like, who's your primary, who's your like perfect customer, I guess, to give people a sense of like, who does this really make sense for? Because someone who's just starting a business, like they're not, they're not going to be ready to pony up and do something like this. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of grounding that a little. Yeah, typically it's someone trying to, uh, trying to build enough notoriety for people to care, right? It's the, uh, it's the X, C, C suite of Disney, yeah. Exxon. It's the uh, it's the entrepreneur uh, who has a marketing company uh, who needs people to take him or her seriously, and a book helps do that. Yeah. It's um, you know it's it's uh, trying to th- it's a submarine commander for USS Indianapolis who who he wrote a book you know about uh, you know it just his transition into basically from I think it was called uh, from some commanding officer to CEO right basically his entrepreneurship journey right all those things are all. Uh, you know, it all depends on what they want to do with the book. The book is simply a vector into other things. The book is simply a way to convince your prospective customer that you're the right person. 
And that's what the books are for, right? They're, they're, they're for building that kind of personal brand, but for people to kind of instantly trust you. They're the way you get in front of a podium in front of a thousand people to talk or on Turkish national TV in my case, or how, whatever you're trying to look to do to kind of build your brand up a little bit. Yeah. But ultimately you're selling more of what you do, your services, your product, whatever it is that you do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think, you know, it also gives you a great, just like we talked about with Forbes and stuff where it's like, you're giving them something to go on, right. Uh, a story to tell. So if you ha- you can align something like this to new product launches and things going on with the business and do, it's a great reason to get on other interviews. So if you have a really nice topic that bites into, like you said, a niche, they big, I'd love to talk about that for my audience. And then you have a roadshow on interviews and you're talking about this book. And now, I mean, there's just a nice, I think, domino effect. So there is an investment up front of time and money, but the long-term play there and what you can get out of it, I think is tenfold bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, ultimately you're, you're flapping your arms. You're making a bunch of noise. Right. Yeah. And then, and a book is a reason to flap your arms. A book is a, uh, is a reason to scream from the highest mountaintops of your expertise. Otherwise yeah. you sound like an egomaniac, right? It's, <laughs> it's basically a reason. It's just, it's this bottom line. There's no reason. No one has any reason to talk about themselves. Just, yeah. They just don't. Yeah. They're not, I mean, the vast majority of the humans don't have either the accomplishment or whatever it takes to do that. You know, a, a book kind of highlights those, that the framework of those things, right, that you're expert in, gives you a reason to talk, but it also gives you the credibility to talk. Yeah. Um, and, and it's that, that kind of fear of, do I know enough to do the interview or, or whatever? That, that's, you know, that's, that's also what the, the editor is thinking, too, is like, oh, geez, is this person credible enough for me to put on camera? <laughs> And a book helps you do that, you know? I mean, I've done 22 podcasts in the last like, seven months, six yeah. months. Uh, I've been on multiple news stations, multiple kind of, you know, different, different, different places. But that, that all started with the credibility of a book. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just kind of, it just kind of blows up from there if you do it right. Got it. Yeah, I love that. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, where do people kind of find you if they're interested in this book stuff, don't have the time to write it themselves. They want to look into this. Uh, where can they, they get more information and check that out? So uh, years ago, I, uh, I filed for the trademark uh, BrightRay, B-R-I-G-H-T-R-A-Y. So everything I've ever owned in the last 12 years is BrightRay something, whether it's consulting or publishing. <laughs> uh, so if you go to BrightRay.com is uh, where, where BrightRay Publishing uh, resides. Um, just, you know, just do a Google search. Uh, and you will be the first thing to pop up for the word Bright Ray or Bright Ray Publisher. Okay. Awesome. Appreciate your time today, Scott. Just kind of walking through these ideas and what the benefits are of kind of really thinking about this type of commitment and, you know, what it, can, what it might do for somebody. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. Don't forget to stop by changecreator.com for more information, fresh articles, content, and our services if you're looking to build a brand that people love. And please stop by iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate your support.